I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com I don't like blood and guts But I love them when they're lengthily discussed Welcome to With Gorley and Rust. With Chorley and Glust. Tom Chorley and Peter Glust are here with us today, Tom Matt. Tom Chorley and Peter Glust. We've been trying to get these guests. How long is it? I mean, I think that's why we started the podcast. We wanted a vehicle to get Tom Chorley and Peter Glust. Yes. Guest? Glust? Glust. Glust. And he's a guest. I, I'm frazzled very, because I'm. We're in the presence finally, of greatness. Finally, and we're not going to be talking to them. Uh, we're not going to be having any conversations. They're just sitting here, and, and uh, yeah. they said, "You know what? If we're going to come in and finally sit in to watch mm-hmm. you guys do a pod, we want it to be the temp." They did say that. They also said for the live streamers that they insisted on sitting behind the laptop that's streaming. Yeah, this. so don't you yeah. live streamers don't be looking uh, for uh, any yeah, they're, of those they're two. not there. You can feel the presence, but they're not there. This and, and you should be happy that they're not on camera because those two guys are gorgeous. Oh my! You God. couldn't take your eyes off that eye candy. I can't see. I keep looking over there. Look at that. I don't know which one's more beautiful. Listen, this is, like Paul said, the episode about the temp in the season of the Yuppie Nightmares. I'm Matt Gorley. And I am Paul Rust. This and is, this is the Yuppie Nightmares. That's right. And uh, this is with Gorley and Rust, the mm-hmm, podcast mm-hmm. where we go on at length in a cozy, easy listening fashion with the movies that thrill us, chill us, and spill us our guts. <laughs> That's you good. can get more on patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust feature length film commentaries. Yeah. We just did a psycho commentary that's dual immersion. We watched both versions of psycho at the same time. Yeah, the 1960 was, and the 1998 version at the same right. time, which if you add that, I'm just thinking that right now is what? Uh, 60 plus 98? Uh, 158? 58, yeah. D- uh, divided by two? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's how much entertainment we provide. That's right, which reminds us we're going to be doing the number 23, which is all about numerology at some point on this podcast. (laughs) It was based uh, on a lot of our theories, Matt, about the number. (laughs) Listen, if you subscribe to that Patreon at the baby xenomorph level, you can watch these recordings 
on a video live stream as many people are right now, as well as have your name read out on the podcast by emailing us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com. We'll do that at the end of this episode. Fun. Uh, but that being said, who cares about the rest? We're here to talk about the temp. That's right. You know, yeah. when you said the number 23, you got me thinking about Jordan, Michael Jordan, oh, the number 23. That's right. And then it made me think of the temp. This kid, like any early 90s uh, son oh, yeah. in the movie, loves the NBA. Basketball Loves fiend. basketball. The Chicago Bulls, The Atlantic Hawks. And uh, to my final point, I do have a story about me around that age, around that time, going to an NBA game. Seriously. That I don't think I've ever shared on the pod before, but I was like... In Iowa? Uh, when I lived in Iowa, when I was like a boy. Yeah. But then I went to Chicago. Now, Whoa. I think it'll be better when we get to the part in the scene where the dad takes the boy to the basketball game. Then it just... Okay, so this is just a up. teaser. A teaser. I love it. And I hope I'm building it up. You are. Yeah, so I, that it's the funniest story you've ever heard. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about the movie now. I want to get to this basketball story. Yeah, well, I hopefully, I, I won't forget, I don't think. Well, speaking of the movie, where you hadn't seen this movie? I had seen the front the first 40 minutes. The front nine. Yeah, the front nine. And I, I don't know if it was, I actually had seen the whole movie and it was so forgettable mm-hmm. or if I had watched it before. But by the end, I was like, I didn't know the twist. Me either. So I was like, I never the saw the movie. The movie didn't know the twist. He- <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, this is... I would say, out of all the yuppie nightmares we watched, the most baffling. Yes. Like, guest window, or what was the bedroom window? Yeah, uh, that's that right. Was, that was, we called that very weird. Weird. But this is baffling. Boy, you put it right. Starting just right out of the gate that this movie, this whole yuppie nightmare, this taut, sort of erotic thriller. Yeah. All swings around working at a cookie factory. <laughs> I, isn't that so funny? I kept flashing in on that going, wait, they're asking us to take this thing seriously because it's taking place at a cookie company? I was reflecting on the cookie company aspect of this movie, yeah. Matt, thinking about it and thinking how it is a little, um, what would you say, um, uh, 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 um, symbol oh, oh, of, yes. of how this movie is cooked, cooked wrong, right? Which is like <laughs> underbaked, baked, yeah, yeah, baked wrong. Which is like so. Uh, initially, it started as this kind of like dark comedy thriller, right? right. As originally written, and then it's sort of as time went on, it got. Redeveloped, recut, re-edited, reshot. Tom Holland. It seems to me equal parts uh, original state of kind of campy Mm -hmm. uh, satirical thriller to uh, earnest genre movie Mm -hmm. and then studio meddling. Almost like three equal parts. That's why it seems so baffling. Yes. That's, I think, is why it's baffling. It's like the one cook is the original writers. The other cook is Tom Holland, a guy who wrote it, did get credit, but 
is the director and probably rewrote stuff and then studio meddling. Yeah. Yeah. Reshoots and such. Reshoots yeah. and like, um, you could tell probably Timothy Hutton's character was a little bit more of a dick or something in original. He just got so sanded down where he was yeah. like, there's nothing this guy's done wrong. What? I know. They, well, they set him up as a, they literally call him Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, yes. Mr. Hyde. And that he is, you don't know that that's paranoia in the beginning when he's talking to his therapist, you think like, is he, a domestic abuser? What? What is this? Right. And like, if it was Michael Douglas, I think they'd be willing to kind of go places where you like, yeah. oh, he does sleep with her. Yes. You know, or, right. uh, uh, or he does sleep with his wife again and tell her he's with her for sure. And then has kind of like, uh, yeah, a dalliance with her or kisses her. And then you're like, oh, this guy, he's got some scuffs. He was just like, it was so Blando Calrissian. It was Blando Calrissian, <laughs> and it, it started so strong because you do think, yes. "Oh, I, I'm assuming that this temp is the antagonist of the movie, but we're going to have a complicated protagonist. Yeah, so this will be interesting, and it's not going to be black and white. It'll be shades of gray. But it's and like, then, yeah, they neuter all that. Yeah, they do because you don't even get to see what's going on with her. You know, like the hand that rocks the cradle, which is so dope. Remember, you get like 20 minutes yeah. to find out why that nanny. Wants to come in and destroy things and right. fuck things up because, uh, you know, she had that cockamamie thing with her husband, like, uh, her child was lost by the, and so now she wants revenge, like, yeah. but knowing just what's kind of like going on in her mind, I know that they have to make it so that he's paranoid, you can't figure out too much what's going on in her end, but like, there ain't one scene of her where she's not right. with Timothy Hutton, you don't, like... Fatal Attraction, you get some good stuff where you kind of yeah. like, I know what Glenn Close is like when she's by herself. What is her motivation in this? Is it just she just thankless jobs and trying? Yeah, I think it, the movie, it didn't click to me until like the last 15 minutes when she was like, after that cock and maybe cuckoo uh, breaks cutting sequence, <laughs> I was like, and she was like, look, at all these points, it could have been me, but it wasn't. I'm on your side. Can't you see that? I was like, oh, they're doing like this um, the Hitchcock movie suspicion thing where it's like this woman doesn't know if Cary Grant is really trying to kill her or not. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's what the temp is? Yeah. The temp is. And I was like, this took too long for me to like. I know. Uh, I wanted it to be a juicy Hand that rocks the cradle right. in the office. Yeah, because yeah. there was moments in the movie where you're thinking, yeah, they're they're trying to string you along as to whether or not she's really doing this. Then they're stringing you along as to whether or not he's really paranoid and mm -hmm. this is even happening. Then come to find, I had to look at Brantley's notes. I mean, I could go off the thrill, the twist ending reveal or lack of reveal to realize they were intending Faye Dunaway's character to be a red herring. But reading Brantley's notes, that was the intention all along, but apparently Faye Dunaway would not allow herself to be portrayed unfavorably in the shots. So other than the table read, she played her as likable and nice and kind of admirable the entire time 
undercutting what I think was an intention of the movie. So no one was playing on the same team for this thing. You're <laughs> right. You could tell. Nobody was, uh, what is it? It's like that story of uh, the elephant with the blind guys and everybody's describing different parts of the elephant that they're touching. They don't know. Mm. Right. You know, that little yeah. fable, <laughs> that parable, yeah. like everybody thought they were making a different movie or something. Yeah. So it brings me back to that cookie company Please. thing, which is like insane. I could see, yes, in a dark comedy. Yeah. We're playing with camp sort of movie. Absolutely. I get it then. Yeah. It's like, oh, these people are putting such, it's funny that they're putting such high stakes and all this like uh, po- uh, office, p- political office backstabbing and stuff right. is all being done over cookies. Right. Is funny. But then once you go, what you were saying, trying to do a sincere thriller, like, well, automatically that's stupid then. That it's, just doesn't make absolutely. sense. So you just got to change the cookie stuff now. You got to make it about business. Uh, yeah, it, it has it, to be stocks, bonds, amalgamations. About. Yeah. Yeah. Or even um, bad influence because what yes. they were like money markets or whatever. I don't even remember. But yeah, yeah, you, yeah. It shouldn't even, you shouldn't even know what it is. It should be some kind of financial jargon that, you know, yeah, so or all real the, estate or something. Right, right, right. So all this stuff of like the intensity of the guy, that one guy who's always like screaming, going, crazy like you're like oh that'd be funny if like i knew yeah. that this was ridiculous Dwight and- schultz mad murder howling mad murdoch from the a-team <gasps> he was howling mad the corporate guy <laughs> in this i'm so curious about him because he came up my friend james and i we were talking about the movie fat man and little boy which i've never mm-hmm. seen but it's kind of an oppenheimer oppenheimer story as well yeah. paul newman dwight schultz he was so good on the a-team what happened to this guy? Why didn't he ascend? I think maybe he is a little cuckoo or Mad something. Man. I think he's pretty fringy too. I don't know, but I, I always wished you'd see more of him because I always liked him as an actor. Yeah, what else has know? he been in outside of... Uh... Those three things, I couldn't tell you. Oh my God. He does have... Um... I love his eyes. Yeah. Love that guy. I want to know what's going on uh, yeah. behind his eyes. Yeah. The only thing I could think of with the cookie stuff that like... It's um, I don't think a metaphor is the right word. It's like a one to one or something. <laughs> like it did seem to be. You could think of it as like it's about movie studio politicking. Like mm. there was a point where she said, "Like we're making cookies. We're not building bombs or whatever." Which is like, you know, what people say in the entertainment industry of like, why yeah. are we getting so bent up with office politics and backstabbing and stuff when we're just doing which is fitting because according to the notes and i read this online as well that there was a regime a regime change at paramount it was paramount right right? Mm -hmm. um and so tom holland seems to have considered the idea or even thought speaking of paranoia that the new regime actually wanted to tank this movie because it was the pet project of the old regime but that seems ridiculous to me because ultimately those profit margins are going to fall on their you know watch and I'm mad. I this is my how I viewed this movie is. This is how Tom Holland views the world. Yeah, yeah. like everyone in every scene, including like guys who are like running the shop where Timothy Hutton goes and buys like gum. Everybody has like an inner. Um. What's that called when you got a... Uh, Angst? Uh, distrust? A, a, a motive that's... Oh. Um, 
everybody's got their own little they're at something that like yeah. and like that scene where Steven Weber and Timothy Hutton are playing basketball and he just openly shoves Timothy Hutton yeah. and then Timothy Hutton falls and gets up and he gets in his face. I was like, I, in interviews I've read it, listened to with Tom Holland, I've, he's done podcast interviews. The ones I've listened to, I've listened to his commentaries. I love his brain. I think he writes really good stuff and I like a lot of his movies, but he's a, prick man oh, it seems like and i was like when i saw that basketball scene between two guys he shoved him and i was like why is he doing that but then why is he getting back up in that guy's face yeah. and i was like oh I, I i think this is how this is how this man experiences this I world think you're right and i think he maybe thinks it's even somewhat normal and there was a very telling line which was like in the 80s we used to stab each other in the back now we do it with a smile <laughs> I was just listening yeah, to right. Dabney Coleman talked about Richard Franklin with um, Cloak and Dagger because, you know, Richard Franklin, director of yeah. Psycho 2 and who worked with Tom Holland. Well, you're just Coleman. listening to what? Uh, I was reading an interview where oh. uh, Dabney Coleman was talking about Richard Franklin. He was like, oh, he's like one of the biggest pricks I ever worked with. Coming from Dabney Coleman, I assume that's <laughs> I'm not saying Dabney Coleman probably no, isn't I, a prick, but he just plays a prick. I think he's a softie who knows how to play right. a prick, so yeah. he maybe can see him, you know? Yeah. But uh, he's, he said uh, uh, Richard Franklin was a huge prick. Now, Mig, Meg Tilly said Anthony... Perkins was one of the most difficult actors she worked with. Mick Garris, when he worked with Anthony Perkins on Psycho 4, was like, hands down, the most difficult actor I worked with. Really? Just in, in like, just... Um, mean, yeah, probably... Mean... Uh, well, I think it'd be difficult, like, yeah. giving direction to somebody who's played Norman Bates for, like, 30 years, you know, right, like, right. you know, but... Yeah. Um, and maybe isn't entirely happy that he's in Psycho 4, the begin, you know? Right. Um I think also you'd found out he was HIV positive around that time, but people didn't know. Yeah. But I was thinking that set of Psycho 2 with right. Richard Franklin, Tom Holland, and uh, <laughs> like all these guys, I love their work, but they just sound like straight up bastards. Yeah. And um, maybe the most telling thing with the temp is like, it did seem to be in the 80s. The understanding was like, um, it, and I'm not wagging my finger at this or whatever. It was just like assumed like people were pricks. Yeah, I think the, you know the, the this is generalizing, but just even as a, as a metaphor, the cocaine fueled inhibitions probably were a lot more direct. Where '90s was a self correction that became a little bit more passive aggressive, and the world politically was a little calmer. Kinder and gentler. Yeah, the Cold War is over. Uh -huh. Terrorism hasn't really begun, you know. At, at least, yeah. like you know. No, yeah. There, there's the Irish. Whatever the modern. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, so yeah, there probably is a sort of like, no, we're all good, right? <laughs> well, you mentioned the Cold War thing when they were talking about this office politics, and they were trying. You could tell, like, the script was written in 1989, mm. so it's like right after Fatal Attraction and Working Girl, and they yeah, just like very put them together. Clearly. No kidding. Uh, and I was like, this feels like a post Cold War spy movie. They're hung up on oh, all these like right. the Japanese investors are coming. I was like, 
yeah. I can see how that was a preoccupation in '89, but not this. I no, mean, you're right. There's a there's computer uh, like malice, malice. There's <laughs> grabbing documents. So who can you trust? Yeah, it's your neighbor. It's your friend. It's your temp. Oh my god! But just like we're also the idea of like you now I love make this a spy movie, movie past that time because the Cold War is ended. You can't really kind of make this like office, and they're trying to do whatever was happening in that time, like the feel touchy feely like workaholic dad's gonna have yeah. to put things aside um i i thought of something what bothers me about the can the workaholic put work aside and be there for the family thing yeah uh it, i had clarity on this i was like i know why it annoys me please give me give it to me because- in the movies it's assumed it's a choice uh-huh uh to be able to go God, I'm choosing to work more and not be with my family. I think yeah. for most people, if you want to click into it, it's like, I have a job. I got to go to that job to earn money. It's complicated for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just don't think it's like, it feels very Hollywood yeah. to be like, I'm doing the work because I love the work. Oh, right. More than my and, family. Yes. Yeah. And how do I set aside my drive and ambition? For most people, I think it's just like, I got to go to this job and then the job spills over into life. And I, I mean, certainly people, there's people who go like, uh, I want it all. How can I have it all? And then also I'm a yeah. family. But it just comes from like a um, automatically like, a materialist yeah. place that isn't, if you want to tell that story, tell that story about like, I got to work. Somebody has to work two jobs and put their kids through school and they don't get to have schedules together. The idea of like, I got the choice between going to the, the meeting or going to the kids yeah. bas- the basketball right. game. I don't think there's any version of that that isn't complicated by even other factors in, in terms of being angry at work because they want to be with their family, but you have to work. Right. Or there's the version of the like father or mother that is escaping the family. It's not even that they like work. They're escaping the family. And I'm not like, that's obviously not a good thing, but there's no, that and I'm too. sure you yeah. feel the split sometimes where it'll be like, um, when you're working, you're like, I should be with my family. Yeah. And then when you're with your family, you're like, Oh, I, there's I stuff that to has to be done. It's like, it's, it's uh, I struggle. With that's what I think is the dilemma between yeah. working. It's not whatever these, what hook, it's what a, Peter Banning was going through yeah. the hook where it's like, Hey, go out. Sorry. No, you're right. Yeah. It's like, it's not grass is always greener. It's like the grass is always browner. You're at one <laughs> thinking you should be at the other. Yeah. And that's, that's something I struggle with and I hate it. I hate it mm-hmm. because I'm fairly decent at making the choice, the right choice at, you know, at the right circumstance at the right time, but it's still a wrestle in my head, which means you're also not present at whatever thing you've chosen to do at that moment. And it's, I hate it. I hate it so much. It's one of my biggest struggles. I'm getting better at it now, but it, it takes like presence of mind for me to work through it. The thing that makes it easier is Glenn. Like she brings me out of it. Thank God, but not always. And and I, and then you feel guilty and like, Mm -hmm. but then you also have responsibilities and Mm -hmm. yeah, like you're saying, it's fraught. It's not just some dude that's like, "Ah, I'm going to make some cookies, you know, (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Like if you, yeah. if you're a human being, that's not an absolute psychopath and you have a child, there's very little that can rival your affection for the child. Yeah. That, it's not in a sustained, in a sustained right. way that yes. you like, I mean, I guess, I don't know. Well, it's also probably a hard thing to show in a two hour movie. The idea of like, uh, parenting or whatever you would consider not working at your job and family life. Like that, that's, um, uh, difficulties, struggles, you're, you're, uh, it's hard to be a parent, whatever, you know, platitudes, you know, but that like the joys are so big and then so worth it. That's just not cinematic. No, so they have to like dial right. it down to like, got to get to the baseball game or not. Like, I know it's, it's such always a weird, that it's yeah. either a play or a sports yeah. game. You, you choose that on one side or the cookie factory on the other yes. side, which honestly just take your kid to work and that's a win-win. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> just get him a interning there. Everybody will be happy. I want to get back to something you said about the set of psycho two and you just set my mind reeling thinking of those three personalities. And I feel like you of all people should write a screenplay about, and I, I realize I sound like, the set of like my, my parents. Gone. No, no, Why no, don't no. you make a movie about no. that? You should do that. Well, there was that movie Hitchcock that was about how like I psycho know. was stewed up by a bunch of crazy people. Yeah. So but uh, just thinking your take on those three people almost as a play you know it should be a play that's good dude yeah like the shark is working but uh the, the, yes the exactly set. and you yeah. have the meg tilly character as the kind of like ballast of sanity that's good and like old versus new and yeah uh, yeah yeah that's good dude uh, the uh uh i was thinking uh not anything about writing something but when you said oh about how being on that set and just like Okay, something probably happened. It happens in every workplace, not just on sets. Um, you can have three people. One's a dick, two aren't a dick. Or none yeah. are dick. You could have all three are a dick. And then what happens is the dick butane like <laughs> starts getting turned up because everybody starts like, who's the bigger? That's right. And then it becomes like an arms race It becomes or a dick, dick measuring contest. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then, um, uh, you know, because there's times I'll listen to interviews with like Ivan Reitman and he comes off as such an asshole. Does he? And I uh, uh, met Ivan Reitman in passing. He seemed yeah. like, an okay guy uh-huh. uh but his attitude is so like calcified 80s like yeah. i had to go up against this studio person and tell them bill murray and these assholes like they're just all kind of like crustled with this right old shit um it makes me think of um uh but the, the idea of like oh if you're a little bit of a dick and then somebody comes around you got to kind of like cook it up and then those three people go off to another movie Oh, right. Like Pollen, Dick Pollen. Yeah. Now Richard Franklin goes to another movie. He's a dick in front of Henry Thomas. Who knows? Henry Thomas now has a little right. bit of dick in him. Dick Pollen. Yeah, the, the, the Dick Pollen. Every, it's a Dick Pollen production. Uh, <laughs> uh, produced by Dick Pollen. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, but it remind, uh, do you like Fiona Apple, Matt? Yeah. Uh, that uh, her most recent album right. has that song uh, "Relay," where it's like 
Evil is a relay oh, sport yeah. where the one whose burn turns to pass the torch. Evil oh. is a relay. Like, that's good, I mean, man. It's, it's true. It's it's his tale as old as time. Jason goes to hell. Uh, whatever He's Friday a, the 13th. That butt worm I mean, was the torch of evil movie. that yeah. was being passed. It follows Nightmare. Whatever um, Nightmare did that trick. But I like the idea that How somebody can be in a situation where they got burnt by the torch of evil. But then they go on to their next thing and they don't pass it on. Right. That's like kind of the coolest thing you can. That's the maybe testament do in life. to yeah. any parent that doesn't revisit their parents' uh, transgressions, no matter how big or small, or at the at least mitigates them and makes them smaller, so that the returns are less and less, and that each generation hopefully gets better and better. It's hard to see that in in this larger world right now, where things are getting batshit crazy. Mm. But you do hope like the bigger wave form is that yeah. people are getting more tolerant and things like that. I know. I Looking back on my family's generations, I would say on average, going back four generations, I think I can go back to three, four, um, two bad things kind of slough off per generation. Yeah. Like, That's cool. Yeah. I like, mean, like they, spanking they is ending with my generation. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. going to spank my child. And I know my grandma had worse stuff experience than yeah. whatever she, you know, like yeah. it does seem like when my stomach might start getting old is when there's like two generations, not with my family, I just mean universally. Yeah. There's like two generations where it's like, that's actually where I take kind of peace in Matt. I go like, I don't think in two generations people would be like, we spank kids now and that is cool, right? Yeah, I hope like, not. I, you can't even maybe put that politically. It's just like, culturally, I think we're all kind of like, nobody would be like, the majority opinion is... Hit your child. Hit, hit your kid. Yeah. And so that kind of like, you're like, all right, that feels good that yeah, yeah. It's we won't probably solace. ever slide back to that yeah oh, oh, so. <laughs> i mean it's just really dark but when covid happened that's like what was so sad to me like with the lockdown i was like people who need to get out of their house yeah to go to school oh, god so that the teachers can see them and go oh your home oh. life is i was like and not only that but the home life the abuses are compounded because of the pro close proximity yeah. and all the time. To go, oh God. Let's, um, let's get back to the temp. It, it's own type of travesty. I mean, people, everybody now is always like, weren't the nineties so great. And you do think you're like, Oh, that in 1993 or whatever, there was a movie about a cookie company. And I wrote one of the notes is way more about cookies than I would have thought. <laughs> Well, let's look at the temp as like a cookie. Well, another way right? to look at it is I actually think one of the strongest moments of this film was her introduction where she just takes over and helps him get that report done. And it ends with him, her handing him off in, into an elevator handoff. He slides it down the hallway to the secretary who passes it to Charlene. That whole thing felt like Tom Holland should be directing like Tandy computer ads or <laughs> Apple computer ads or something. Yeah. Like that felt like a commercial. It was tight. Yeah. It was, it was, um, jaunty, like yeah, yeah, dynamic. Yeah. If the whole movie was like that, 
it would have been really fun. And there was part of watching this movie that I had a lot of fun, but it was because I was watching something baffling and trying to solve the riddle. Turns out there's no answer to this other than it was a mess, but it was still fun. No, the, uh, uh, what you're saying about how, um, it like to be in an office and it feels like that was like probably my favorite aspect of this movie is like, no matter where they would go, I liked the setting. So if he was like in his office, it looked slick and all glassy and had beautiful little early nineties cinematography, like sun and the way that it was being redesigned as the movie went on to an interesting element, kind of, I think thematic. Yeah. Yeah. Which was, like cool yeah it seemed like a lot of the movie like it was coming from this place of things in transition whether it's like he's working three things with his wife the building's in transition she herself is a symbol of or is the person you have come in when there's transition she's the temp but then even that um or absence and like what like that story she told about cut day where she went off to the lake with her oh, class yeah, and they right. had sex in the lake or something like that. But I was like, we're making a choice that it's cut day at school. Yeah. And it wasn't just me and my friends would go to the lake. Like the idea of there's time for work. And when do you go and do something else? Cause like she got in because a guy had to go like, Oh, my wife's going to have a baby. Right. right. So like the, um, how, how did she engineer that hand shredding? Because we're sure she did. I don't know. And that's when I was like, uh-oh, with this movie. Because I agree. I think the first 20 minutes felt kind of like, I was like, ooh. Yeah. Oh, oh, and I was going to say all the settings were good, whether it was an office or oh, yeah. him going to a fucking Portland suburban home oh, with like yeah. leaves. And the, I loved yeah. anywhere they went. It was Working awesome. in his garden, heaven. Yes, yes, yes. But the uh, yes, the hand thing. Uh, which, by the way, I was hoping it was going to turn into like a hand, the hand sequel. <laughs> but it's a bunch of little chunks of hand. Yeah. And the story runs like in parallel army. with this temp story. So you also cut to like these like gremlin hands. Well, speaking of that, there is a possible universe building here because it's really easy to think of Steven Weber's character. He just moves to New York after this and I- starts dating. What's her name? I forget her uh, character's uh, name. Bridget Fonda. Yeah, but what's I forget her character's name? Alice. Uh, yeah, who uh, knows? Well, this did feel like because we did watch Single White Female right before this. Yeah. In case uh, you guys uh, are just listening to that order, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we don't know what you're It crazy is kind of a perfect do. bridge between Single White Female and Disclosure is the temp. I, I haven't seen Disclosure, I don't think so. I'm curious to see what that is. But like Single White Female, it's like she comes to the city. Oh, yeah. Uh, she enters the office place. This is like the job at the workplace. And then disclosure is then like office, but with married people having That's affairs. Right. Like, uh, mm. uh, but also like the same studio, it was supposed to come out December 92. Um, the temp released by Paramount. That would have been, Three, four to five months after they had released. No, that was another studio. But uh, it's just the same, like five, six months after Single White Female. This is 93, right? 
Uh, yeah, February '93, I think. Like, yeah, and it was because of reshoots. They the month before, and up to like, they finished it like four days before it was out. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. So it was like the movie was still wet. Coming through the projector, <laughs> uh, but they uh, from underwater sex. <laughs> oh, when she was like, the big come on was her being like, when he was in the inner tube in the yeah. lake, that she was like, wouldn't it be great to have underwater sex in a cold, smelly lake with our coworkers nearby? I was like, you're that's. Five details that are so gross and not sexy. A bacteria-laden lake. Also, the way she phrases is like people didn't know. But my understanding of sex is you have to be coupled in some way, whether it's front to back or back to front. I mean, what I you're still going to see two people very close and very. it meshed it meshed in movement you know it meshed so in movement even if you didn't think you were having sex you'd still look at those people in the water and go there's something going on there well and then when she said why don't we do that I'm like yeah. your classmates looking over at you and seeing you guys maybe like at best being like they're hugging for yeah. a long time you couldn't do that at work you couldn't like yeah. look at two co-workers and be like they're just hugging for that is inappropriate self too so I don't even know but she was really, they couldn't have even accomplished the weird thing that her and her boyfriend did, which I imagine it as like, she's on the tube, he's behind her, but <laughs> like that she, means like, like <laughs> underwater, like two fish having sex or two turtles <laughs> or something. Like he's putting his penis She's uh, what's the shark term? What, what's the thing I hate? Oh, the claspers, claspers, <laughs> claspers open, and then he like it's so gross. What she was proposing, also, where that fell on the line of what the fuck is happening? Like, at no point in the movie, I and it, I guess, it's probably victim of like because they want to make it he's paranoid, so they yeah. can't ever clearly say what she's up to or what's happening. But that just means there's so many scenes in a row where I'm like, they're fighting now? Wait, they're getting along? Wait, now uh, he's suspecting her? She's suspecting him? It was just... Yeah, when I read that, also that Faye Dunaway was supposed to be a red herring the whole time, it wasn't until they don't show you who hits him at the end that I was like, oh, is the twist she's the killer? Because the... There really was no sense of that whatsoever. No, she no. was an ally and a reasonable woman. And I guess it was because she wanted to... I mean, I, I I could see it as like, then that's a good red herring that you're not tipping your hand and playing it. But then you have to layer details of the performances yeah. so you can go back and be like, oh, I saw... Right. It um, gets in that shattered territory where there are so many outcomes possible uh-huh. that, you, that the twist falls flat because you're like, well, it could have been any of these. And then also reading that Faye Dunaway, you know, insisted on her own cameraman and didn't get it, but then still tried to control the director of photography. Yeah. It's uh, pretty funny. I mean, uh, when a movie's like this wasted, yeah. that's when I want to just go, well, let's let this be an exercise about watching Faye Dunaway cook and let me be on set and yes. watch, watch this, you know, actress of another era 
do her diva thing because at least uh-huh. we'll get entertained with that. Just give me a movie of her doing that, you know? Yeah, well, I and mean, when you cast her as like the twist villain at the end who's going to be like raising her hand and stuff, like you're automatically putting yourself in the camp. Yeah. Upper decks of uh, Mommy Dearest, of right, like her right. being I, yeah. like a wild eyed um, psychopath. Yeah. And like, if your movie ends with Faye Dunaway being like the killer psychopath, you have to accept you're a campy movie that takes place at a cookie company where Faye yeah. Dunaway is like the, the femme fatale or whatever. Yeah. But I, then to undo that, and then we haven't even talked about the ending ending, which is the craziest, most unsatisfying yes, ending. It. So the, uh, it's just a really mild conversation of guess what? I found you out and you're fired. Blackout. But not even Donald Trump, you're fired. Just yeah. you're you're fired. Oh, okay. She doesn't go to jail for murder? Did she kill these people? Laura, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I well, mean, he's well, calling security, but then after that, it's like, you're fired. Well, we figured. Yo, so what was the original? The ending? Oh, did you read that the original ending was? He, he They were going to have a three-way fight between Charlene, yes. Chris, and... Peter mm-hmm. and Laura Flynn Boyle was going to lose her arm in a cookie, right. like <laughs> cookie razor machine and then die that way. But I thought for sure she had to die some violent death because it's the crazy thing is they never confirm whether she's killed these people or not. Yeah. But it has to be because there's there also the reveal of all the like, you know, quote unquote Chekhov's this and Chekhov's that there's a letter opener. There's yeah. a wasp. There's all that these wasp. things that you're like, the minute you see him, you're noting like, well, this, here we go. Here we if go. If Oliver Platt didn't die of a wasp in this movie, I would just be like, <laughs> it's as baffling as anything else. Like, yeah. Cause what did we watch not too long ago where we're kind of like, how did this person not die of this thing that they clearly set them up to die? Yeah. Of? Right. 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 There At least it had that like competency. That. Yeah. Uh, uh Oh, um, I wondered too if your fax machine reveal that you posed last episode of like, wasn't there a movie we watched where a fax is coming yeah. out and there's suspense with it? Scream 3 has a, we're waiting for the faxes to come out. Uh, and there's, it's also, I clear and present danger. Ah, uh, yes, you mentioned yeah. that. That's right. Yeah. Um, the allergy, I died of bug allergies, um, will never be the sleepaway camp. <laughs> bathroom stall B death. Like I, when I saw that in the temp, I was like, have you, you seen sleepaway camp? What are camp? you doing? Why even try? I think it's doing a Madonna thing where it's like most of the world hasn't seen this. So let's just steal it. <laughs> I see. Yes. Yes. Hey, who invented sex anyway? I think it was Madonna. <laughs> do you remember that from the uh, other sister? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, I do. Now that you say that, I own that the movie. line at the end of the trailer was like, who invented sex anyway? I think it was Madonna. Oh, yes. America loved that movie for that joke. No, bad, bad, bad. We look back on that. We go, no, no, no. Um, I just realized we've been doing this whole uh, video stream in absolute silhouette, but it kind of is cool. It's kind of cozy. Kind of got a Gordon guys, Willis. Uh, we won't do this. Oh, hey, look, I, I got it refocused. Maybe you like it. We'll just see. If you don't like it, I'll I'll lean back in and we'll get a, <laughs> a new exposure. But uh, the the question though that we didn't uh, go back to, which is of the mangled hand thing, yeah. and whether because that was so crazy that it was like 
I don't think you're supposed to think maybe she was behind it, but then when you think about it for like 10 seconds, you're like, how? how? And then you're like, so if that wasn't, and she got into that job by accident and happenstance. It can't be happenstance because then. Well, then who cares? Like, Oliver Platt dies of a. Oh, I know it's not this, but eating a wasp. And then the Robert hangs himself because of corporate failure or potential mm-hmm. corporate failure. These three things happening. I can't, I can't, what is the I mean, Fleming quote is, uh, once is, once is happenstance, twice is coincidence, three times is enemy action. Ha! Ah, yeah. All right. That's how we would have felt if there was three towers. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, uh, well, then that's, it is weird then, because it's like, well, if it, was her then that was weird how she pulled it off and if it wasn't her then it was just kind of an unrelated accident that went along with her two murders of Oliver Platt and the other guy you know what I mean well she also very clearly tries to murder Charlene and Peter later so it had to be her she tried or killed tried to kill or killed five people and so she's fired. Then she's just fired. <laughs> I mean, part of what's baffling about this, I would say, is that mixture of tones, which was like when the scene started and it kind of had like, you know, Tom Holland uh, uh, directed Child's Play. Yeah. Like when the camera started pushing in on a low angle on the copy machine, I was like, this feels like a little Chucky yeah. sequence. And then when it got all bloody and crazy, I was like, this isn't fatal traction or this is like it felt it, it, a, like ai had made this movie yeah. and then there's those weird fade outs too yeah it does feel like right ai where they had a bunch of different pieces and yeah. then there's sometimes you just have to fade it out yeah i mean that ending too was baffling with his family where the dad was like um they just show three lines with him and his family where they go nathan had a question for you can you come to my me, me, me? Well, sorry, I gotta go to New York. You know what? I will not come to you. Dip, dip, dip. Uh, but when she... It was after the big Faye Dunaway, like all this crazy denouement, whatever. And then it goes to the husband, wife, and the kid walking along. And uh, she goes, hey, Nathan has a question he'd like to ask you. I thought the kid was going to be like... What the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> what was that? Can you explain this movie and or your motivations? Are you healed? Why is mommy so sad as to come back to you and then leave and then come back? Uh, was she, she seen- the one who had the threesome that he walked in on or what was no, it? It wasn't a threesome. He thought it was a threesome, but it was just, she was just having a, like a dinner at her boss's house and it, her, the boss's wife was okay. there. The kids were there. So it was proof that he's just purely paranoid that she's going to cheat on him. He doesn't like that word. No. Yeah. 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 Um, but, okay. but she was a kind of a, un, it, it was like a pathetic character in that she just kept, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, but not then, with any like, examination really yes right. she kept going back and forth the same way that we the plot were, required yeah, yeah yeah it was no sorry what no i don't i don't know yeah i mean the uh, when he would be interested in her 
um, when that would be going on, I, I didn't know uh, what, like, what are they fighting for? <laughs> <laughs> I, and yeah, and she showed up at his house. I was like, I don't know who this is for a while. And then yeah. realized, oh, that's his ex-husband. His estranged, she kept, it's fuzz funny that Chris kept calling, you're estranged called. <laughs> yes. Tried at all possibilities to get the little crowbar in there. Yeah. Now, Maura Tierney, is she daughter of Lawrence? Is she? No, I don't think so. Oh. So that means we got two actors in this movie. Lara Flynn Boyle, who I thought was the daughter of Peter Boyle. Right. And Maura Tierney, who's not the daughter of Lawrence Tierney. Jesus Christ. I can help you out. <laughs> Timothy Hutton is the son of whoever Hutton, who is an actor. Lauren Hutton? No. I forget, but his his oh, is father he? is a kind of charismatic uh, actor uh, of the earlier generation. Well, with those, each actor we just talked about, right? Yeah. Um, do you want to take a pee? We could take a pee break. Sure. Um, Oliver Platt isn't the son of Edward Platt, chief from Get, Get Smart, is he? <laughs> I'm, I mean, Oh, be. wait, the actor's name is Edward Platt? Yeah. Oh, let's check. Maybe he's... I will you don't think it. he's related to North Platte. Who's North Platte? Or what's North Platte? I think North that was Platte? a city. A city? Or maybe Platte, North Dakota. I don't know. Oh, my God. Boy, boy, boy. Is uh, Faye Dunaway not related to masculine, not finished at home? I think very I, well done. That's very been well said done. on this podcast before. I would like to apologize to you and yours this holiday season. We'll be right back. With Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. With and Timothy Hutton's father played Ellery Queen, and Oliver Platt's father was a diplomat. Yes, and, and when you said that, we uh, came up with a sort of... Uh, Not we, this is all you. <laughs> and this is... This is me, Gilbert hats and off Sullivan, to kind of. No, oh yeah. Uh, Hello, my name is Oliver Platt, and I am the son of a diplomat. <laughs> there could be more lyrics. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. My name is Tim Hutton, if you know what I mean, and I be the son of an Ellery Queen. There we go. <laughs> One um, thing about this movie. Sometimes we watch a movie that's little batshit like this and it's kind of frustrating and angry. This one actually left me 
disappointed because I really wanted, I was excited to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. I think all the actors in it are really good, even if they're not great in this movie, with no. the exception maybe of Laura Flynn Boyle. I think she's pretty good. Yeah. The other ones, mm, I know the, uh, uh, that's what I wanted to get back to is the, the actor talk with this. Cause like I love, will watch Faye Dunaway in anything yeah. like a movie could kind of be made just cause I get to see a Faye Dunaway performance. So yeah. I love her. Uh, Oliver Platt is like I love him top shelf and so when he just pops up for three scenes in this movie you're so grateful yeah especially has he ever played like a non-heel has he ever played like the in the bear he's kind of a like oh anti-hero patriarch but he has uh, in something else but you're right he usually plays does he ever play like a sweetie like he the, should. The nice dad. Yeah, he should more, because I see him that way. My friend had the observation, uh, my friend Chris uh, Stengel, he had the observation that um, Pretty in Pink works because Harry Dean Stanton usually plays mm. louses, so when you play him playing like a, a sweet dad, you, your brain does something. You I actually have the like, same theory about Red Dawn. The dad's in that? <laughs> oh, Harry Dean Stanton. <laughs> when he screams, avenge me. <laughs> avenge me. <laughs> Uh, but the, um, yeah, you're right about Oliver Platt. And I feel that way about Alfred Molina too, that imagine if Mm. you could just hang out with Oliver Platt and Alfred Molina. That's what's great about, um, big night and the imposters, Mm. those movies that, um, Oliver Platt and Stanley Tucci did together because they, they write for themselves and they're really funny and stuff. They do. They write for themselves. Oliver Platt writes for himself. I, I could be wrong, but I feel like big night was... Written with all those actors in mind, and, oh. and the imposters. But, but it, they did, there, it was written for them, or they wrote their own? P- I think he, they, Stanley Tucci co-wrote it, I think, but oh, maybe I'll that. reply. Oh, that's nice. I could be totally wrong on all this. Too bad there's, too bad there's not a thing <laughs> called the Ararat uh, that we go look this up. But did you feel like Faye Dunaway was any good in this? She, she's... Um, it, it, no, but, but the what movie's if that not means good, that, so. what, what if that means, though, that she needs to be given her own DP and her own, all the demands that she had for this? That's what means she's good That's at That's odd. Well, uh, and, and, well, I'll get to, because, uh, you know, she's, people know her as kind of a kook. Yeah. But I think Laura Flynn Boyle also has a reputation. Yeah. So that scene where Laura Flynn Boyle, like, smashes the bug on the boarding table and Faye Dunaway oh, yeah. looks at her with crazy eyes and Lara Flynn Boyle looks at her with crazy <laughs> eyes and is like game recognizing game. That took on a meta quality that I thought was like pretty oh, maybe awesome. Maybe that just, just happened by accident and they're like, let's work this into the script. Did you see the <laughs> game recognized game there? And Lara Flynn Boyle just slapped a wasp. Um, and yes, finally, Lara Flynn Boyle is uh, probably the best in this. Yeah. I think she's kind of like perfectly cast because I was thinking about it and all the roles she plays, I think it's usually, it's about some dangerous mystique. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going to have that character be like, you can never pin her down. Like I, I really like Lara Flynn Boyle as an actor and when she's on screen, it's, uh, I, I think I remember, I must've seen this when it came out because I was pretty bewitched by her mm-hmm. as a young man. Well, and then uh, she's so funny in Wayne's world as Stacy. I don't even remember her in that. Although, for some reason, I remember her very well in the movie Mobsters with Patrick Dempsey. 
Who else isn't that? Richard Grieco. Yes, uh, Christian Slater. Christian Slater and Costas Mandalore. Damn, we named all four of the mobsters. <laughs> and F. Murray Abraham and Anthony Quinn. That's God. And it's so funny because that's like young guns for gangsters. Exactly right? what yeah. it is. And yeah. I can't find it anywhere. It's real well. Bro, those Disney movies. Was that Disney? Uh, whatever. Yeah, whatever that Hollywood Pictures, the Sphinx logo. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Those grown up touchstone. I mean, mm-hmm. most of them are fucking shit movies, yeah. but you want to watch them. Like right. scenes from them all. Yeah. Um, those are impossible to find or harder to find than a lot of stuff because they're owned by Disney, but they're not putting them on Disney Plus, but they're not. Licensing, licensing them, out. them out as frequently oh, because I think they have whatever. Uh, you know, the know. irony is that that was one of the like 20 films that I dubbed when I had two VCRs. And I, which one? Mobsters. Whoa. So it was like that Who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, Miami Blues. So noir, you were really, <laughs> I guess, yeah. you wanted to make sure you, uh, yeah, I guess so. Had dubs of, you were like, yeah, I'm a big noir dubber. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of the main noir dubber at Lucerna High. What other stuff do you? Uh, I, re- I, 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 I there was just a phase whenever I rented something, I would by default copy it. Yep. So it was whatever was rented within that time frame. It wasn't well, even like a proper selection. This of my must tastes. have been ninety and ninety one because mm-hmm. I would love to look at everybody's dubbed tapes from the rental store because I bet they all come from like a three year. Period, because ours was like yeah. the freshman. Oh yeah, I own that, like a, a store bought copy. Really, mm-hmm. an it's election so funny. And freshman, yeah. You had election as well. Yeah, Broderick head over here, big one. Yeah, yeah, he's the best. Yeah, you know he was supposed to be Walter White originally. That was I didn't was know that. That would have been pretty good, huh? Oh my god, I was thinking like it's interesting. He hasn't done a lot of TV. He's yeah. never had like a series tailored around him. He was really funny in No Hard Feelings. I haven't seen that, but I, I really would like enjoyed to. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mother has the funniest line in that movie. Do tell. I can't even remember. I just remember laughing out loud. It's something to do with her checking her son's phone. That I also don't want to spoil it. Yeah, so. sure, sure, sure. They're yeah. just her delivery is so good. Oh, uh, that's great. The uh, yeah, Broderick's uh, election is probably my favorite then he followed that up with um you can count on me mm, I and i was oh, like yeah roderick is going strong here buddy yeah. uh the um oh oh so hutton i'm a little iffy on in, in this, this movie, movie especially yeah, yeah but like i like him in ordinary people of course but like he's always a little like um Oh, it's like what I was light. complaining about the Fonda stuff. It's kind of like photographs well for the genre. Yeah. <laughs> like he looks like a drama boy. Right. <laughs> but then like, I don't know. I his He speaks and there's not like a, a tonal, like a depth to his voice where I'm like, yeah. ooh, just that register makes me want to hang out with this. I know. I, I mean... He really had his era. It was this, like taps, th- this and taps, ordinary people, Turk one eighty two. I guess he worked in taps because he was kind of like the 
Upland, every teen. And Troubled, I guess he plays Troubled well. And in yeah. this, he's like the grown-up version of Troubled. Like, Yeah, he's, he's handsome, he's charismatic, he's likable, but I wouldn't say he's like super engaging. He right. doesn't draw me in. He just kind of, I watch him at a distance. That's a why you bit. need a Michael Douglas in, there, in one of these roles. Yeah, and even there's only one in a million. You like Timothy Dalton probably more than Michael I, I, Douglas, but yeah, Timothy, no. well, you love Timothy hey, Dalton. Yeah. <laughs> but, Dalton could have been there. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah, the, um, so all, all, all of those actors, uh, I, I hear what you're saying. I wanted it to be better because it has such a juicy. There's, oh, a, there's I, a really good movie here somewhere. Yes. And the I, haircuts are all great. Like when yeah. those boys, when Steven Weber and Timothy Hutton like go to that game together, yeah. they both have these like perfect, n- fresh out of the salon yeah. 90s haircuts. Made me so happy. Yeah. Uh, so they went to that basketball game. They Can sure. I tell you why? Be- oh, yes. Oh, that's right. Okay, good. Because <laughs> I, I don't even have anything left to say about this movie, actually. Yeah. Um, I I have a lot. No, oh, I'm kidding. No. no, no, I don't. I don't at all. Uh, uh, so it's uh, so when I saw that boy at the and you know, hey guys, on the live stream, all caps. If I start telling the story, you're like, you've told this, you son of a. I don't bitch. recall you telling an NBA basketball. This story is before. so uh, mundane. I uh, sorry, Matt. Here we go. Please. So um, when I was in junior high. We went to a, my sister went to DePaul, and so this was the early 90s, and my dad got us a ticket for, um, to see the Chicago Bulls, and so I got to see Jordan play, it was wow. like, and you know, I'm by no means a sporto, man. but still, but any kid probably, it's just like a cool thing to see, and um, uh, we were at a hotel, and... I was in the bathroom brushing my teeth or getting ready or something, and I was thinking about how, oh, um, there was a Saturday morning show called NBA Inside Stuff with Ahmad Rashad hosted Uh it, and it was like after cartoons were done on Saturday morning, they had this NBA Inside Stuff, and it would be like for kids about the NBA, like interviewing NBA stars or probably like, a, a sports center junior basically gotcha. for kids yeah. and I don't even know if this was true or if they did this or if I just imagined it but that at basketball games at professional basketball games they would have kids say you're watching NBA inside stuff um, like you know wow. the camera would be like you're watching NBA inside stuff right did you get to do this so you have uh, not told this story. Before. Okay, so I'm I'm on pins and needles. To answer your question, no. <laughs> okay, wait, you the have told point this of this story is how that did not happen. <laughs> it was never going to happen. Still a twist. It maybe was never even done on the show. I was just <laughs> fully in fantasy mode. But I was like in the bathroom when we're getting ready to go, and I was like, you know what? I bet there's probably going to be a TV crew there. You're going to practice? Oh, my gosh. And they're probably going to have kids come up to the camera and say, you're watching NBA Inside Stuff. And, of course, they're probably going to pick me. So what am I going to do? 
show up and not be rehearsed. <laughs> I need to I want to be on camera. I got to do this right. Otherwise, I will not be on TV, which is my dream to be on TV. This is... Rusty, this is the cloak. You're going to be on TV. You got to be. This is your, your thing. It's your moment. If you blow this, you won't be. Uh, you're just, just staring at yourself in the mirror going, you've got to meet your moment. This is your Dirk Diggler. Exactly. Pump up scene. Exactly. So at probably 12 years of age, I'm looking in the mirror, man. And this is where the story ends. I'm just letting you know the story ends here now. This is the best. I'm me. My family's out the other part of the in the room. I'm in the bathroom, going, look in the mirror, going like, "You're trying to look cool, <laughs> trying to seem cool. That's like what I'm aiming for." And so I'm going like, "You're watching NBA head tilt inside stuff. <laughs> like, oh, maybe I could put up my hand and go like, "You're watching NBA. Point with my finger to camera, head tilt inside stuff." <laughs> I'm going through variations of that, man. Oh, then I get down to the bathroom. I'm like, I'm ready. I'm prepared. And then I'm going to go to the game. It doesn't happen. There's you not know even what? enough camera crew. Now you got to do it right now. I did get to do it. Did, how this, was it? Did oh, it seem over-rehearsed? That story's up there with yell real loud. And this means pepper for me. Uh, as in the stakes are low not, in not all of my them. book. I feel the emotional stakes. I feel the desire. I feel the excitement. I feel the disappointment. So did you get disappointed when you realized it wasn't going to happen? Yeah, I was sitting there and I was just like, what the, why was I get lost in that fantasy when you're a well, kid? You I just get, get so swept yes, up. You're like, absolutely. this is, once you conceive it, you're more like, well, this would be insane if this didn't happen now. I know. And, and there's, you know, I don't believe in the secret, but I wish I had a little bit more of that mm. ability to daydream again. Because I universe. did, there is a, you know, like, I don't believe in cosmic manifestation, mm-hmm. but I do believe in that if you, if you really want something, you consciously and subconsciously take steps to make it happen. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but you get closer than you would unless if you just sit by and do nothing. Yeah. So you were putting that energy out there. And if they were walking <laughs> in along the bathroom at the embassy yes, suites, but also in the, in the stands <laughs> of the, of the stadium. And That's if someone true. was walking along and they saw young Paul Rust and they probably would have went, that kid looks rehearsed. Let's go. I bet, I bet that kid knows his lines. Get a boom mic over here. <laughs> You ready, oh, Paul? I was born ready. Oh man, uh, it makes me one day for your birthday want to like get a film crew and a, a stadium shot full of people and bring Jordan in and everybody and have you go. You're watching NBA NBA Inside Stuff. Oh, that I choke though. Like I get too nervous. <laughs> like NBA Inside Stuff, but I thought I did it well. You're and everybody leaves. NFL Inside. <laughs> oh God. Oh God. Uh, did you go to um, any uh, major? You were in Southern California, so you get had some. My dad is a big sports guy, so I was, let's just say, brought to many sports events, uh, many USC Trojan football games. Oh, okay, um, and then those like I and my dad, dad and I joke about this. Like I wasn't that son for him, so he would bring me. I had brought G.I. Joe's and I would turn around on my knees and play G.I. Joe's on the bench in the stadium while he would watch the game Yeah, with my back to the game. Yep. But he did take us to a bunch of 1984 L.A. Olympics events and oh, I was cool. really into those, especially soccer. Oh, and then the thing I loved is... As an 11-year-old, you would have been fucking... That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah. I went to... I was there in that... There's this famous moment where Mary 
Decker, the track and field runner, was tripped or she fell. It was this big controversial moment there at the Coliseum. And I I saw that and I was filming with my little Zapruder Super 8 camera. I don't know if I filmed that moment, uh-huh. but I, I did bring my Super 8 camera and film. But That'd be awesome if time came to your house that night was like, you'd like to buy that <laughs> footage. Mr. The Gorley film. Yeah. But we went to uh, soccer, basketball, water Did you polo. ever, yeah, did you go to ever like the Lakers? Did you ever see Jack on the... Uh-uh, I don't think so, but at the forum, regularly we would go see the LA Lasers indoor soccer team, which I loved. That's cool. And it was like always half full Mm-hmm. The crowd, if that, and those forum hot dogs were so good. Yeah. And it was indoor soccer, so it was smaller mm-hmm. teams, smaller field, way more scores. And I just, I my favorite that. sporting events to go to, if I have to, not if I have to, it's just, but baseball, because it's the one I understand the rules the most. And I like the meditative state you can almost yeah. like go into in a baseball yeah. game. I appreciate that. Like now. that. That's nice. And as a kid, I I could even hook into it when I was like ten. It just the even if it's the OCD quality of like these dots have to be filled, this dot has to be filled, and then they move on, and then you do the other thing and you move on. Like it was just like something. But more now than that, outside of the nostalgia qualities, uh, I've been going to uh, uh, my friends Neil and Fran. I've been taking me and my family to um, L.A. Um, Galaxy, uh, the um, Angels, City Angels, the women's soccer. Oh, nice. Oh, where do they play? Uh, in uh, the stadium uh, downtown. It's the a, Staples Center? The city. Oh, yeah. Uh, Crypto? Yeah. Crypt- uh, no, it's, it's an outdoor, no-roof soccer field. Not the Coliseum. No. Um, but it, it's near the Coliseum. Oh, but, um, oh yeah, yeah. And... Uh, I, good lordy, I had such a fun time, and I like That's it great. that the the time limits are the actual time limits. Like, when excuse me, I time limits are actual time oh, limits. Yeah, They're I not know. fucking lies. Like, NFL? when I go to a football game, oh, I'm like, God. great, ten minutes left, and then I'm like. An hour, I'm like, you lied. Oh, tell that's how I would always get my dad on. Like, it says there's five minutes left exactly. on the clock. It's not going to be that. Well, I want to watch something else, and it would be an hour. My whole child, terminable. I know. I was saying to my wife Leslie, so glad that we live in a home that we're on Sunday afternoon. There's not this like din uh, of n- noise, background noise of, of crowds. Every weekend and every month. And you can't predict when the sounds are going to happen. And some man talking like this. Yes. Every element sucks. And it's happening on a Sunday, which is the worst day. You're like, can't we just watch cartoons until I have to go to bed? It has come to the point that we've hosted Thanksgiving here a couple times. And like a brother of mine will say, we'll put on a football game in the living room. And I'm just like, sorry. Family time. I can't do it. It's funny. It's made me hate um, cable more as like a boomer thing because we never turn on our cable box anymore. And the only time we do is if like a relative wants to watch a sports game or if you want to watch, not relatives, but if one wants to watch an award show. And I'm like, that's why I have cable? No, we for award shows and news and sp- like those are the three uncoolest things in the world. We got rid of it and we we get YouTube TV uh, whenever like 
let's say the Oscars on or a debate we want to see, mm-hmm. and then we'll just immediately cancel it. I can't do it. I gotta say, I get real homesick though. About as much as I just trashed it, you there is something I would like around 2014, 15, really ground myself in that I would turn on KTLA at 10 o'clock and it would be showing Seinfeld and mm. I would take comfort on uh, knowing that's out there. If somebody else is watching yeah. this exact scene right now and we have like some there is umbilical connection there, there. Like if there's a James Bond or a Star Wars movie on cable, I will watch it because I... There's something about it being live yes. in the zeitgeist. No and I won't fast forward or pause or jimmy with the timeline because I don't, I want it to be airing at the exact moment that it is for other yeah. people as well. Yeah. Um, but that's sad that that's like the one reason I want to keep my, uh, hey man. but also that it's the one time I ever get like upset about like subsidizing. Like I could give a shit, yeah. where, but, but the one time I do is like, you're telling me my Tax dollar cable bills go to pay ESPN and Fox News yeah. for other people to watch? Yeah. I, when I'm just paying it for the TCM? You're part of the problem, buddy. I am. That's why I'm going to take down sports and news. <laughs> 2024. It's a guarantee. Uh, well, anything else on the temp? Um, on the temp tempo. Um, let me just, um, I'll bring up some Zenos while you're looking. Share some th- oh, I wanted to say, um, if you're listening to this on Friday, December 1st, uh, the new Don't Stop World Die album. Oh, of out. course. Yes. Uh, See What the Devil Sees is Ooh, what it's that's called. that's a good title. See What the Devil Sees. Ooh. Uh, and, uh, you can listen to it anywhere. The music is streaming. Congratulations. So check that out. Please. And, uh, if you're listening to this on December 8th, the week later, hey, it's already there. Yeah. And if you're listening to this, you know, March Anytime. 2035. <laughs> Uh, call me up. <laughs> Ask me how I'm doing. <laughs> um, don't. The um, other stuff I wanted to share. Oh, Timothy Hutton appears on screen while his credit name appears on screen. I, saw I love it when that yeah. happens in, accidentally in a movie. Yeah. Because it feels like a little sitcom. Like, the tenth starring Timothy Hutton. He looks up from like his computer and like smiles. But doesn't it bother you that the other people aren't when yes, that happens? Yes, I know. Because mm-hmm. it, it'll happen sometimes accidentally. Like it'll come up for two people and then it'll move over. And you're like, that's not Balthazar Getty. <laughs> uh, the, when they said oatmeal raisin, I just want to credit where credit's due, Matt. Yeah. You don't think about oatmeal raisin cookies as being a good cookie. No, you but don't. Anytime somebody gives me one, I yeah. eat it. I'm like, oh, these rule. Solid. Why do I always forget about. How good They're the those two flavors heroes are. heroes of cookies. They are. Yeah, because either one by itself, nothing to write home about. No, but the no. two together. I mean, I've written home about them before yeah. a couple I, of times. I never got a response, <laughs> but... Uh, you love that actor, that character actor, who is like the first guy, the red-haired dude, who's like in that movie Satisfaction with Justine Bateman, and he's who also one he of the this? students in Ferris Bueller. He's the guy whose hand gets mangled and That's stuff. That's where I recognize him from Ferris Bueller. Yes! Yeah. As one of yeah. the board students. I don't yeah. even think he talks. His no. face is great. Yeah. And he's doing that thing. You just did yeah. it with your mouth. Yeah. Little, uh-huh. yeah. Um, did you see... Hughes movies were lining up perfectly with your life. Were you into those or? Oh yeah. Big yeah. time. Big time. It's so much so that I didn't even like really project on them. They were just such, they were just life to me. Yes. And Ferris Bueller's of course. I mean, 
my favorite of all of them. But yeah, we watched those movies over and over. Speaking of cable, like Breakfast Club was always on cable. Pretty in pink. Yeah, Breakfast Club was always on cable. I think Universal has some particular like connection with TV syndication and deals because you could really sometimes yeah. see those movies like uh um and the um yeah, probably the one most frequently watched for me was Breakfast Club. It's funny the aforementioned and Ferris Bueller. The aforementioned Pretty in Pink I didn't watch until like two years ago because I thought uh. it would be I heard it was like the mushy one. It wasn't yeah, as funny. I know. My sister watched it, so I saw it a lot. But And I watched a lot of Some Kind of Wonderful, which is like yeah. uh, similar to it. But There's another one, too. What's the like third, you know, quote unquote, like for the girls one of that era? Mm. Some Kind of Wonderful, Pretty in Pink. She's having a baby? No. Mm. No. I don't know. Oh. Um, but yeah, the uh, uh, I watched it and... Um, Leslie liked Pretty and Pink growing up, my wife. And when we started, she was like, I just don't want you to make fun of it. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> I was like, yeah, gotcha. I've got, I get it. I've gotten that a few times. I remember there was a day. And I hadn't made fun of it. Well, yeah, but it, go ahead. What, yeah. were, you, what were you going to say? You had that. Where, like, I remember a day where Amanda wasn't feeling well and she just wanted to watch comfort movies. And I was like, absolutely, let's do that. Would you pick three movies and we'll watch them? And she's like, okay, but like, watch them, not like shit on them <laughs> like, oh oh but to shit on things is the most fun i get it okay no i'm no, saying that's funny yeah. that you would be arguing that with i your, know come on come on having no bile taking. in my bloodstream feels good um the uh oh just i, I think it we it at least bear some discussion that this came out supposed to come out December 92, came out February 93. So this was likely made, and I'm sure this will come up with disclosure, this was made after the Clarence Thomas mm, right. hearings. So it's a little, um, the way they play it is very strange. Like, certainly not very 2023, this scene where she's like, typing and he looks down yeah. at her cleavage yeah. and smiles and then she notices that he was doing it and likes it I, my hat's off to laura flamboyle in that because yeah it is feels like on paper it's like she smiles like she likes it but the way she delivers it actually gave it some dimension of like i can use that yes you know the ensnaring be or the, yeah. the yes that's true um but, the, but I don't think that's on the page. I think that's something yeah. she brought to it. You know? um, I mean, that happened in um, fourth grade for me, the Clarence Thomas thing. Oh, I thought you were going to say someone looked down your top. <laughs> and I liked it. <laughs> I said, I can use that. You're going, <laughs> you're going down, teacher. Reverend. <laughs> uh, Reverend Jim from Taxi, <laughs> the character. Uh, when... Clarence Thomas, that was like, I remember a news event where I was like aware of what was happening, yeah. what it was about. And it's silly now to think about, but as a 10 year old boy, I remember being like, have I sexually harassed? Really? What have I done that would be. How oh, amazing of you. Now, to do look, that. I didn't want to share this because I didn't want to seem like I'm virtual, virtue signaling. Virtual or, signaling. But it, it was just scary enough to see somebody come out and be like, he said inappropriate things to this woman and he might not get to be, 
I don't mean scary. It was just yeah. like, it made me reflect and go like, well, what if I wanted to be whatever? Good for you. Is, um, well, I bring it up because I do take, I don't think I was alone. I think there's probably lots of boys who had that response to the Queerest Thomas hearings where you go that. And I do think probably there's been really good stuff cooking for the 10-year-old boys who grew up during Me Too. Oh, yeah. And now they're going out. I think they're probably, uh, not probably, they're more likely thinking about consent and what oh, that means. Like, certainly it is more, like, oh, there's more awareness of it now. And that's, fantastic. and so just to know that, that not to be like the Clarence Thomas thing didn't work out, but it helped bo- boys be good more like, that's not to say, that, like, but the, it, people view it as a failure. It's like, Oh, Clarence Thomas got to, it was like Brent Kavanaugh. It doesn't matter. He still gets to do what he wants. And it is like discouraging, but there is some hope that it's like, whatever the outsider's perspective is, is like, regardless of how that goes on, you can internalize it. Yeah. I I wish I was that aware. I, I think I, I remember that I was older too, but all I remember was just the Saturday Night Live stuff. So I knew the names and I knew the Coke can thing. And, and that's <laughs> but I'm sure how, you thought like, you were like, well, what is considered, it probably makes you ask a question of like, what's considered harassment, right? I don't think I had that kind of understanding of it. My family just wasn't like, we never, there was never a dinner table discussion. There was no discussion of it. Yeah. It was only like, a. I only knew it as a reference. Like I know most things historically. I don't know the depth of it. I know uh, yeah. How to and I'm not going to say it's because I had a, I think it was like, I was an anxious child yeah. who was always scared of being elected to the Supreme Court <laughs> and really screwing up. <laughs> Doing something wrong, getting in trouble without me knowing it was like a big fear. I did something uh, I didn't yeah. even know it was wrong, but now I'm going to get punished for it. Gotcha. And so whatever that news yeah. event was, it, it yeah. That's oh, interesting. Um, but uh, so, yeah, should we, uh, is there anything? Yeah, let's do a best kill and then we'll uh, read some Zenos and come back with our Great. ranking. Peter, um, Peter, cookie eater had a temp but couldn't keep her. <laughs> Should have been the title. <laughs> Timothy Hutton. Mm, Timothy Hutton has a button. Um, I I mean, I got to go with the hand shredding, even though it's not a kill, just because at least it's something interesting happening here. Yeah. I'm going to go with Hornet Mouth. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> hand shred a Hornet Mouth. Dude. Also, the, the last thing I'll say about this movie was if it was reshot and they had to figure out an ending, I love that they were like, where does this end? steamy industrial zone like Terminator 2 Alien 3 whatever yeah, those movies they always had to why? end with people high up on grates with steam and why? pipes yeah that's crazy why what is that come to the cookie factory meet me there's an emergency meet me at the cookie factory if someone said we're gonna sit down and we're gonna watch the temp and the climax of this movie is someone saying there's an emergency meet me at the cookie factory I do think all roads lead to bond baby that is totally like yeah. people got it in their brains that you go to a new location for the big right. thing. Yeah. I mean, I know that storytelling probably is old. Well, the especially hills, when this was old trope for Bond, so it had found its way into every other genre at this point. Yes. All right. We love you, The Temp. We love you. Max Healy, shout out for you. Um, 
Instead of my name, can Matt do his award-winning toilet flushing sound effect? No, he <laughs> can't. If he's not up for it, could he please have Irvin Kirshner tell H.R. Giger that I'm sorry I keep mispronouncing his name as H.R. Geiger on my Hold My Popcorn podcast episode of Alien. All right. Uh, Paul, as Gus from Love, shout out this name. <laughs> I love you, Mickey Dobbs, but I love you, James Spencer, more. <laughs> um, this is just a regular old shout out. That's nice. Danielle Baranowski. Danielle Baranowski. Shouted out. Thank you. Um, this is a shout out for Rob Hennon's daughter, Maddie. Maddie. Who thrills when she's here. Oh, shout out to you, Maddie. Rob Hennon's daughter, Maddie. Um, hey, hey. This Rebecca Mary would like a shout out for her mates Shit Talks, their group chat name. Oh, hey, from Southern Lawyer. Hello, Shit Talks and Poopy Walks. Because when I was representing Poopy in court, it walked regardless of all of its indictments. So, Shit Talks and Poopy Walks. (laughs) Beautiful. Uh, oh, this. I'm sorry, Matt. We're supposed to give you a shout out on the single white female episode. For Tony, your partner, and he would die metaphorically if he received a wish from you two in the voices of either March Simpson or Southern Lawyer. Hey, I think because we were coming at this late, we do all of them. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. Okay. Oh, I just wanted to say, uh, for Matt Holland's partner, Tony, happy birthday. I, uh, I wish you homie. Tony, I'm just as worried about Marge as you are. She does not sound well, but I would wish you a happy birthday. And Tiffany's voice, I realize, is Marge Simpson just kind of right. pitched higher. So, Tucker, I'm wishing somebody else a happy birthday. It's Tony. Tiffany, I'm Chucky. That's good. <laughs> he is Chucky. Happy birthday, Tony. Um, uh, this is, oh wait, this is, oh, you got us in an email? Oh. Okay, well, we already got that for Tony you. Tony Zuko. Right. Uh, hello, Jenny D. Look at me, I'm Jenny D. Lousy with podcastery. <laughs> and finally, um, 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 uh, oh, most nefarious Ooh. member of, of Pinhead's Court. Uh, they, they say... Uh, Pinhead is the most nefarious member of Pinhead's court, but it's actually Christine Morse is the most nefarious member of Pinhead's court. Ooh, she's a beautiful, beautiful painter, painting. too. Thank you for sending those pictures. Thank Love you, that. baby xenomorphs. And hey, we talked about, thank you, baby xenomorphs. And we talked about this when we went through the, um, but I just saw this mentioned on the live screen. Uh, we talked about when I came through the doormat. Congratulations on the article in the LA Times, oh, buddy. Thank you. Everybody who's listening to this, run right now and listen. Uh, read that article. It is, I said to Matt, it's kind of like the perfect article you would want written because it shows what makes Matt great as a, a creative, but also what makes him that great as a person. So oh, that's very sweet of you. And I, I said to you when you came in that when I see those profiles of people in the paper, I don't question them. But when you see one on yourself, you go, like, why, why would you do this? Although that being said, the author, Tim Grieving, is a podcast listener. And so very he's well a wonderful written. guy and knows his 
you know, for for better or for worse, knows his gorly verse. Yeah, so. no, it was very well done. And uh, it was, um, as uh, when we were talking about with your wife, Amanda, uh, lovely wife, Amanda, she said it was holistic. It feels like it's a full picture of you. So yeah, it was people very should read it. unexpected and, and flattering, but thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Out of 13, what are we going to give 13. the temp? Let's see. We've given, we both gave after hours 12, 13. Mm-hmm. The bedroom window, I gave a 6.5 and you gave it a 7.5. That's going to be a curious benchmark to hold it up against. Bad influence, you gave a 10. I gave it a 9.5. Shattered, I gave, we both gave an 8.5. Single white female, we both gave a 9. Where do you put the, where do you hold this up against your 7.5 on the bedroom window and my 6.5, which are our lowest scores thus far? Yeah, I'm going to put this at a 6. Me too. Yep. Solid 6. Um, because I guess the bedroom window where that was weird and this is baffling the, there was a, some sequences in the bedroom window where I would get interested and, and what, <laughs> yeah, have whatever that thing your brain does when you're watching a movie where you're like, Oh, I jumped into it and yeah. now I'm absorbed. That never really happened with the tub. So yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. And we, we love you, the like, temp. We do love you, the temp. I was interested in an external way, like a meta way, of same way I watched the prequels, just how does this happen? Mm-hmm. But the movie itself never really got me. Yep. All right. Well, next week is Disclosure, which I'm very excited about. Yes, me too. Me too. Because uh, when you mentioned the... Um, uh, we were talking about the Disney adult releases are hard to get. Yeah. Two nights ago, I watched Quiz Show. Oh, which I is kind of hard because it's like a Hollywood ago. Pictures release. But that was um, written by the guy who wrote Quiz Show. And it was supposed to be directed uh. by Barry Levinson, but he had to do something else. So Disclosure is the next year. So in a Sliding Doors, the writer and director of of Disclosure could have made Quiz Show, but they're very uh, different movies. I'll say. I'll say. Well, All right. We'll get into it more next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. For more Gorley and Rust content, head over to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early, plus monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust. Email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gorley and Rust theme song by me, Matt Wood, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gorley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Ken. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.